can I help you? Mrs. Peterson? Yes? My name is David. Mrs. Peterson, I, uh, I knew your son, Caleb. I was with him when he died. That's me. You know Caleb? Yes, ma'am. We're pretty close. Yes, ma'am. He wanted me to tell you that he loved you. Thanks. He asked me to check on y'all. And so, we're gonna be good friends. with some guys at school. I'll teach him some self-defense when he's failing up to it. Well, what are you gonna do? Nothing bad. <laughs> For the damages. Never let anyone pick on you. Here, you keep it. Miss Peterson, are you sure you're comfortable with me staying here? I think it could be a good thing for us. You know, I promised Caleb I would do anything I could to help your family. You're back on Sorted Cinema. That was a clip from The Guest, the new film from director Adam Wingard and writer Simon Barrett. Uh, that was the exact pairing we got for Who's Next, right? You're next. You're next. My goodness, that's right. Who's Next is the Who album. You're Next is the Who's Slasher Who's on first? Film. Who's on first? Uh, so, yes, they, they've reteamed for this film, which uh, I think we can safely agree this is way more of an action film than a horror film, right? Right. Okay. We're, we're at least not going to dispute that. Well, it's funny because we're actually disputing it over at soundinsight.org because we're releasing our list of the best horror films this week. And we're not entirely sure if we should put the guest in that in the list. And I don't think we should. Well, I, and I feel like we wouldn't even be having this conversation if they hadn't just made your next. Well, like yeah. if those filmmakers had not just made, I think, one of the most acclaimed horror films of last year would we even be having this conversation? That's, cool. I guess that's that's a separate thing we can just think about and keep on the back burner. But anyway, this film stars Dan Stevens, who most people will know from Downton Abbey, uh, in a very different capacity here as David, a apparently a soldier who uh, goes to the house of a fallen comrade to greet his family according to uh, the fallen comrade's wishes. And whether or not any of that is true, ooh, and uh, wackiness ensues. I guess let's just let's just leave that there for now. For fans of The Wire, Lance Reddick is also here. We'll get into him a little bit later. But I, uh, I love the mental image of wackiness ensues, as if he he rides down the main road in a cycle. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I it, I mean it's not entirely wrong. Uh, but anyway, we'll we'll get there. So Depayan as our guest of honor. Um, I mean, how do you feel about uh, Wingard and Barrett? Did you, were you a fan of your next? I was. I, I, I quite liked your next, uh, just sort of all the way through. I liked the way that it kept me guessing. And, you know, Sharni Vincent, having be, having seen her previously only on Step Up 3, where I thought she was horrible, like pretty much everyone else in that movie, uh, she actually really impressed me there. And by extension, I was really impressed by Wingard and Barrett for being able to pull that kind of a performance out of her as well. Um, right. And likewise with the guest, I, I really enjoyed that too. Uh, with Dan you know, Stevens, I, you mean? Well, yeah, and with Dan Stevens this time around. It's Charney Vincent last time. Uh, so so it's I guess it's a credit to Wingard and Barrett to be able to pull these sort of compelling performances out of their leads where they turn out to be not what you expect, but it's still completely plausible in the context of the story. Right. So 
as a movie, though, besides Dan Stevens, how do you think this holds together? The guest, I think it holds together really well. Uh, I, you know, I really dug the way they they started him out as a hero, but then they gradually progressed him to pretty much a clear-cut villain by the end of the movie. I really liked the way they escalated things, uh, the way they never really had any... Uh, they, the way they never really built any ambiguity in, in terms of how evil the guy was right off the bat. It, it feels like, in a way, a sort of dark universe version of the Bourne movies in that this, this super-trained soldier is not actually going to be an, uh, you know going to be a hero. He's going to be this kind of malevolent entity that that people really should be careful of. I like the way they built uh, the character of David Collins, and, and I like the way that they built his fighting style in that he wasn't some kind of martial arts hero, but his style was sort of quick and brutal efficiency. Uh, overall, I was actually very impressed with the movie, and I found it really interesting just all the way through it. It held my attention in a way that even going in with high expectations, it uh, I, I didn't expect it to hold my attention as thoroughly as it did. Uh, overall, I I am a fan, if that is not obvious from my gushing. All right. Uh, I'm going to go second because I want to give Ricky a chance to, to react to, to both our takes because I'm feeling a little bit divergent. Ah, I... I like this movie hesitantly. I think there, I, I think there are things about it to like, but when it's over, like, I, I, look, let me put it this way: watching it, I was never bored while watching it. But I think when it's over, you kind of just realize it's a pile of stuff. Like it's, it's a collection of scenes and character beats and ideas that feel kind of novel. But I think when you string them together, it doesn't really do much like I, th- I think your next was able to take a familiar premise and jazz it up with enough new ideas uh to make and you know sort of new new methods of execution so to speak uh that were able to make that movie feel fresh and fun and uh sadistic in ways that were satisfying and this movie feels arbitrarily sadistic in ways that i just found kind of jarring uh, and I I don't know if it's because uh, because of the, of the lack of visual invention or just the the weird tonal mishmash, but I don't know. I, I I thought it was a collection of kind of interesting ideas that don't really add up to much personally. Huh. I have to wonder if maybe that's due to sort of the the genre that's placed in. I mean, considering the movie was is is sold mostly as an action genre movie, I wonder if uh, you know if you think about it in terms of a horror movie told from the perspective of the main villain or the main terrorizing force, does that work better for you in terms of bringing the ideas together, Simon, or does it still feel like a mishmash of ideas that don't uh, come together uh, as well? I, I'll address that in a minute, but I want to hear from Ricky first. I think what you're trying to say here is it's a postmodern mashup of 70s and 80s horror-themed films or sci-fi films or action films. I mean, there's like heavy references to John Carpenter, specifically Halloween. The movie takes place right before Halloween. Uh, we can think of Brian De Palma, of course, The Terminator. Um, but the thing is, it never really transcends the genre. So it kind of feels like it's just imitating specific scenes and moments and beats from previous films. But it does kind of do something interesting, in the fa- and that is the fact that it is – technically a home invasion thriller despite the fact that it's not really a home invasion because he's a guest and he's invited into their home so i guess in a way it does kind of do something different with the home invasion subgenre 
But yeah, I'm kind of in agreement with Simon. I actually completely Ooh. enjoyed this film, but I really did like it. Like, I actually think I love this movie, unlike you. <laughs> um, like, I love this movie. Like, the last, like, half an hour blew me away. I loved every single beat. Uh, it, it's kind of like, it kind of, I kind of feel guilty for like in the last half hour because it kind of feels like I'm watching gun porn, but we do get, get this great, fantastic climax that's set in the middle of like a fun house inside a high school gym, uh, complete with like a, a hall of mirrors, which I thought was amazing. That reminded me a lot of like uh, Brian De Palma's films. And yeah, like I, I thought it was, uh, you know, stylish in a way that appeals to me. Like I like the soundtrack and there's something about 2014 that there's so many genre films being released with the sort of like John Carpenter like synth score. I mean, we talked about cold in July and the music in cold in July, and that's one of the best soundtracks of the year. And then you can think of like the movie starry eyes. Now we have this movie, the guest, but yeah, I mean, I kind of uh, really like this film a lot. The thing is, is, I was told it was a horror film. And so when I sat down to watch it, I was expecting something completely different. And I think that might have worked in my favor. Yeah. I mean, when you're talking about the music, first of all, um, I didn't notice the original score as much as I did in some of these other films. I did notice uh, the soundtrack, the soundtrack. Uh, there is a lot of, uh, I don't know what it is lately with everyone using 4AD stuff, stuff like Dead Can Dance, Clan of Zymox, This Mortal Coil. Love and Rockets. Love and Rockets. Uh, Sisters of Mercy. Yeah, that stuff is all over. It's, it's It was the same with uh, White Bird and a Blizzard and like a bunch of other different movies. I, I don't know what it is with that particular sort of indie goth stuff getting revived lately, but I'm I'm fine with it. Uh, I don't really get, I don't really know what it adds to this movie particularly other than, you know, with, with that, with the, it, this movie literally uses the John Carpenter font. And, you know, with taking music from that era, it's very much saying, hey, we're nodding to this stuff very uh, in a very over the top way so that you cannot possibly miss it. Yeah. Yeah. But can I just jump in for a second? The, yeah. the thing I liked about the soundtrack is that the soundtrack is music heard within the film. Like it's the music that the characters are listening to. Like once again, we have a movie in which a character is making a mixtape and or in this case, a mix. So CD. many mix CDs this year. I know. Right. Like it's like. Yeah, but but the music is actually within the film. Um, but we do have a score by Steve Moore, and I do like his score. Like he uses the creepy synthesizer sounds that we do hear in movies uh, like Halloween and early John Carpenter films. Yeah, I think I would have liked this. And I again, like, I don't want to fall into that trap of uh, wishing for like you know reviewing the movie we didn't get or like wishing that a movie was different than what it is. So I would like it better. But I think what's missing is. Uh, sort of a, a getting to know the David character. Like the David is such a is a cipher. Like he's meant to be the guy everybody uh, at first uh, either wants to fuck or be. And you know Dan Stevens plays him in this uh, detached, super cool, uh, soft spoken way. So that so you know and and, and he, he sells it when you get that sort of turn to evil. But you know late in the film we fi we find out that and I don't want to spoil it really but essentially that he is kind of a robot like he he is operating based on a set of principles and i i feel like that to me was kind of a letdown first of all because if you really scrutinize those principles a lot of what he does doesn't make any sense uh and second of all because uh, to me if he's uh like to, to me like like human like i don't want to repeat or parrot a point from a previous podcast but 
that like humans are, are scarier than robots to me and to make to sort of to dehumanize him and make him into this like uh you know uh, superhuman villain like kind of made the movie less interesting to me hmm. I, I don't know that he was programmed for everything i think what happened was that like the way i read it was that he was trying to to tap into his human side but it was sort of it was struggling with his programming right up until the point that the, the KGO Corporation actually showed up. But did you actually get a sense of conflict in that character? Because he seems to just enjoy doing everything that he does. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I, I mean I did get a sense of that conflict because it was a lot of like, you know, the, the soft spokenness and and the constant smirk always felt like sort of an act to me, and I'm and I'm sure that was a deliberate choice on Stevens's part. Um, it, it always felt like sort of an act to me, like a put on he does because that's what he knows everyone finds cool. But then every so often he would just drop that persona and he'd get mad. Like the first time you see that is in the bar, and then the next time you see that is is in the house party when he confronts Kristen's ex, and it's just sort of I always got the feeling that that was his true nature and just. Every so often he'd let the mask drop, and that was when we we're seeing the real him. And that was, uh, and you know, the rest of it was all him just trying to put on an act to try to, you know, not not to try to fool everyone, but to sort of maybe try to fool himself into being more human. And I, I think I think the biggest uh, the biggest uh, nod towards that was the fact that he never actually slept, but that he just sort of sit on his bed and try to and like stare out into space and. When you know, considering the fact that he was never actually smirking or smiling in those moments, I, I that that's where I knew that he was. The rest of it was all him just trying to mimic human behavior in a way. Yeah, but I don't think I agree with you. I think I'm more siding with Simon this week. I, I I think he's pretty much programmed to act the way he acts. Like I don't think he's acting to try to act. I think it's just that he's programmed. He is like robotic, and that's why I mentioned the Terminator earlier on. Mm-hmm. Like his performance really reminded me of what is it, Jason Patrick from the Terminator, the first mm-hmm. Terminator film. Um, like he's creepy, he's secretive, he's dangerous. Um, he's polite, he's lovable, but even the way he talks and responds to people, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, like everything about him feels like he's a super soldier. He's programmed. And um, I think like the thing I like about this film too is that we're never entirely sure as to what his mission is. Why does he return or not even return? Why does he visit Caleb's family? Like, you know what I mean? Like why Caleb's family? Why not his own family? What What is his well, mission? I- is he actually trying to protect them? Is he actually trying to send the message is it like i'm not entirely sure if when he arrives at the house like he had in, the intention of actually hurting caleb's family like i think he was actually trying to help them but then at one point you know the daughter makes the call and his cover is blown and then he has no choice but to kill everybody because he's programmed to protect himself first and so that's why he goes on a killing spree but the filmmakers don't try to hammer home a backstory or explain why he's crazy or what his mission is and i kind of like the fact that they don't do this like um so yeah so i i'm just not i'm not entirely on board with what stepine was saying more i'm more siding with you this week simon Woo. it's funny how you agree with me but you love the movie and i kind of i don't know like I, I i again like i was i was never not entertained watching this film i just got the sense when it was over that it was just kind of there like it did it, it has no um it doesn't really feel like it has a point of view like it, it's which you know to me like the strength of so many genre films, including you know some of the stuff they're aping in this film, is that they have subtext and they have you know things you can really dig into. To me, this movie is all surface, and it's fun. It's fun surface. Like it's 
it's fun to watch Lance Reddick show up and and you know be, get to be an action hero and you know it's fun to watch Dan Stevens completely obliterate what people think that it is that he can do and get to you know kick some ass and it's well, fun it's fun to get these music cues and stuff but that's kind of all it is I, but I think it's transposing the cliches of old Hollywood movies like specifically from the 70s about Vietnam and about war vets and the post-traumatic fallout that these war vets have and they're taking those cliches and they're transposing it into the war vets from Iraq and and Afghanistan but I don't think there's really an earnest honest social message within this film like I I agree I don't think they're really trying to like be political about anything yeah Um, I've, I've heard some people compare it to like death dream but I'm not seeing it Oh my god, that movie is amazing. You haven't seen it? No, no, I mean, like, no, no, I said I'm not seeing the comparison is what I'm saying. Oh, okay, right. No, I, no. Yeah, but I, I think that is, that's part of the reason why I think that it's miscategorized as an action movie. It feels very much like, you know, when, when you watch a standard issue horror movie, you don't get to know much about the villain. You get to know a lot about the plucky hero who eventually, you know, the plucky hero or heroine who eventually defeats the villain. Uh, and it, it feels like with the guest, what Barrett and Wingard were trying to do is that they wrote that, they wrote it like a standard issued horror story and then they flipped it around so that we're watching the whole thing from like the point of view of the villain rather than the hero. And I think, you know, uh, David remains a cipher possibly intentionally in a way to not do that because it's not like when you watch a horror movie when you watch like maybe the first installment of a horror movie you don't get a lot of backstory on the villain the villain is just this sort of hulking menace to the to the heroes uh, and to the to the main characters and to to give david a lot of backstory to sympathize him would maybe be a betrayal of that idea but the thing about the monster in this film who is the character david is what makes him a monster aside from the fact that he's a cyborg? Like to me, he doesn't feel like a monster. He feels like a cyborg. Like if anything, this is probably the best cyborgian horror film if that subgenre exists. But he doesn't feel like a monster. Like he's not channeling the fear or guilt or emotions of the characters who surround him. He they are strangers to him. Mm-hmm. And there's no like when we're talking about PTSD and like people have brought up Death Dream like. Again, there is no sense that he was a good person who was corrupted or like or like destroyed by war. He just feels like he said like like a robot. And also when we're talking about and I think this is another thing that didn't really work for me. When we're talking about the subversion of the point of view, I think the whole idea of a horror film or, you know, a cyborg film or whoever the fuck it is we want to categorize this um, we should mention he's not literally a cyborg. We just keep using that word. Um, <laughs> no, but, although they do although, kind of nod to it with the fact that he wears a sweatshirt with the logo right on his chest. Like if you were going to build a cyborg from that corporation, that's sort of exactly how you'd build it, which right. lends and credence I'll, to that idea. Also, the ending. The ending kind of hints at, you know, not. I'm not saying that they want to make a sequel, but it kind of hints at the fact that maybe he is a cyborg because uh, – are we doing a spoiler We've Thank already spoiled everything, so... Okay, because it kind of hints at the fact that he survives. He doesn't actually die. It doesn't hint at it, it shows us. Well, it shows it. it. That's, yeah. that's pretty explicit, that yeah. he does survive. Right, but but but, I, but but what I'm trying to say here is the ending, you know, we get the guy walking out of the building in the fireman's uniform, and you get all the smoke and mist and fog surrounding his character, and she sees him, but it's sort of, like, oddly romantic. It's, like, as if she's still swept up under his spell somehow. Like, it's weird. Well, and that sort of segues into the point that oh, I was trying to make two God, minutes he's ago. he's a cyborg magician. <laughs> okay, no, let's not do that right now. Um, 
the the point I keep trying to make is that when we talk about that switch of perspective to, to you know so that we get the villain's perspective rather than the the other people, that's a theoretically interesting idea. But like you said, Depayan, he remains a cipher, and unfortunately, the kids do too. Like the they're really just types. I mean, the the boy is you know yet again the kid who is bullied in school and needs to stand up for himself. And the girl, I don't know, doesn't have much character of her own. Like, she's sort of coming into her own. Uh, it's weird. I think she's supposed to be, like, 20 or 21 or something, but she behaves a lot more like she's 16. Uh, I, didn't, I never was able to quite figure that out. She's uh, she's 21. There you go. She's, she's just about to turn 21. Yeah, that's 21. right. She's, she's 20, about to turn 21. Uh, thank you. But, yeah, she behaves much more like a high yeah. schooler in, in terms of the way she... Oh, hold on. Uh, in terms of the way she, she acts around David... But, you know, to me, like, their characters were never sufficiently defined. And forget about the parents who never, like, they get it. It seems at first like it's going to be a movie about the whole family, but they get almost no empathy from the filmmakers. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree once again, but I think the performances are strong across the board. Like, that's one of the things that makes this movie so, so better than most genre films of this type is that we actually have a great cast and great performances from everybody on board. I mean, we can even talk about some of the previous films that Adam Wingard and, um, and Simon Barrett and, and um, Simon Barrett have worked on. And, you know, as much as I love those movies, the performances are not always uniformly great here. They are um, in terms of the family. Yeah. Like we get the dad who becomes obsessed with office politics and he seems really angry and just like not a happy camper. The mom seems depressed because her son died and she doesn't really do anything but stay at home the daughter is i don't know she resorts to booze and drugs to deal with the pain but what the pain is i don't know and the son well the son is kind of cool like i do like the uh i think his name is luke right Who like knows? I, I kinda, yeah I, but i don't know i kind of like what they what they do with his character I don't know, like, to me, like, again, like, they had such a great chance to make these characters distinctive and to really, like, start to start to play with these tropes or even just do something more human with them, and they kind of just settle for types, and I think that, to me, that was a disappointment. But, dude, it's a movie about a cyborg. It's not a movie about a family. Well, I bet, I mean, again, we were talking about your next before. Like, I think that movie did a fantastic job of taking what we thought were a bunch of stock characters or like a stock heroine or whatever and doing something different with it, if not necessarily in terms of characterization, at least in terms of energy. And here, I didn't really get any of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was joking, by the way. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think here well, subversion comes mainly in the character of David. Uh, well, maybe, yeah, in a, in a way, sort of. So, I, I mean, I can't really disagree with that, although it didn't, it didn't bother me. But, you know, you do have a point about that. That's Luke and... I forgot her name too. Yeah, exactly. You've forgotten her name. Well, Anna. Yeah, but, yes, but, Anna. Luke but, but and forget Anna. It, forget about the family. I think the biggest problem with the movie is the main character of this film is the cyborg. Or I mean, I keep calling him a cyborg, but it's David, right? <laughs> it's just the keep guest. Calling him the cyborg. It's the, it's the guest, and I think the movie has bigger, broader ambitions. Like it's really trying to turn a soldier with PTSD into a compelling horror movie monster. I just don't think it succeeds. Do I like this movie? Yes. Did I enjoy this movie? Yes. Did I love this movie? Yes. Would I watch it again? <laughs> yes. It's a fun as hell movie to watch. But I mean, it, to me, I would categorize it in in like um, the same way I would categorize a movie like Deadly Prey. You know, <laughs> it's like a fun movie to watch it's not necessarily a good movie to watch although this movie of course has amazing cinematography and a pretty kick-ass score you like the cinematography that was actually one of the one of the weak points of the, of the film for me was that visually i didn't find it that memorable 
Oh, I liked it a lot. I liked the fact that it was simple, uh, especially during the action sequences. Like I liked the way they staged the action, uh, especially the shootout. I knew the geography of each and every single character, like how far, you know what I mean? Like it's not like a Michael Bay movie. Yeah, there's, there's um, a, there is a nice, uh, I didn't, if there was any slow-mo, I didn't notice it. So that was kind of nice. It does have some sharp dialogue at times and black humor, visual flair. I think I, people should see it. I think the the hardest I laughed during this movie was Lance Reddick's excellent line reading of fuck, uh, which features him just like flipping out for a second. Cause it's just a very atypical thing to see him do. Uh, uh, I, I can't say I laughed at anything else. I don't know. It's uh, sort of, I, that reminds me. I did, I did like Stevens's performance in terms of th- there are certain moments with David. Uh, like for me, the, the funniest moment of the scene happened just a little while before that when, uh, you know, having effectively dispatched all the army soldiers who come in into the house, he sort of takes he, he sort of uh, takes position and looks out the window to see them uh, set up the set up the gun that whose name I do not know, but it's basically a big badass gun. And he looks out and he just gives this expression of "Oh fuck me" before he runs out. And I, I think he he litters the he litters the whole movie with this sort of small expressions of you know either. God damn it! Or oh fuck me, and kind of things that that really I think added a dose of humor for me. Uh, there was there was just that small moment where he like you know he he takes out another gun and he takes position right near the window. He looks out and he just gives that expression of oh no I I can't deal with that and he just runs out of the room. I mm-hmm. I, I I laughed out loud at that. I do think uh, you know I was complaining about the look of the film and like what I what I mean when I say that is I mean literally just the 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 general visual style I thought was kind of flat I but I do agree with Ricky that like when you get to that sequence uh, and you you do have a sense of the geography there is a lack of of sort of overt uh, sort of st- stylistic tropes like like slow motion that I was talking about and I like the way the bullets just seem to rip through everything they just rip through every wall as you kind of imagine if someone was going to bring a, a chain gun to a suburban home it probably would rip through everything so I, I did like that touch. Uh, it's funny you don't like the cinematography. I think it's great. Like especially, especially during a climax. Eh, I don't know. Really? I just, I, I, it just, it was, it didn't really have. I, I, I'm really bad when it comes. Even after hundreds of hours of podcasting, I'm really bad at discussing the specifics of why I don't like the way things look. I, I didn't find it particularly memorable. It's not just about the colors and the gels. Uh, it's also about just the framing. Like, like there's one specific shot out, outdoors in which the guest, David, the robot, the cyborg, I don't know what you want to call him, he fires away and shoots this guy at a distance. And I just love the way it was framed. Like from behind, it's this long shot. We get to see the landscape. The guy's running. He takes his time. He's patient. He shoots him. Um, also, that's another thing I like about the film too is the, despite the fact that he's like – the super soldier, he does get injured repeatedly, like throughout the whole entire film. So it's not like, you know, we see him run around for 45 minutes untouched and he doesn't get a bullet hole, a bullet wound or a stab or anything. I mean, like he actually gets hurt right away as soon as the military shows yeah. up. He seems to be a little bit like Anton Chigger. Like you can hurt him, but you can't kill him. And you, you can slow him down. You can stick him in it. You can make it so that he has to lick his wounds for a while, but he'll just keep on ticking. Also, um, I have no idea who Dan Stevens is, but I thought he was amazing in the role. Well, and he's the main reason to see the film, especially if you have seen Downton Abbey, because uh, he is British, yes? Uh, I'm assuming. Um, yeah, he is. Because on, or, I, or he's not American at the very least. Right. In Downton Abbey, he plays a very prim British gentleman. 
who is, you know, the primary love interest for one of the main characters and sort of a heartthrob and very proper. And okay. so you can, you get this sense of glee. And I think, I don't know, you get a sense of glee from Dan Stevens's performance that he gets to sort of, and I may be projecting it, but I think it is palpable that he gets to dismantle his image, which is cool and it's fun to watch, but I don't think it really works for the character. Hmm. I don't know. I, I really like this performance. I, it's funny because I'm on the same page as Simon this week. I just think I really enjoy this watching this movie. Uh-huh. And that's and that's perfectly fine. Like I said, I was I was never bored watching it. I was entertained, but I didn't get the sense that I got from your next where I thought uh, that it was clever in a productive way. I thought it was clever in a hey, look at what we're doing kind of way. Yeah, no, it's not. It's nowhere near as good as your next. Your next, I think, was on like my top twenty last year. I love that movie, but it's still a pretty decent uh, genre film. I, I, I'm always interested to see what Adam Wingard and uh, Simon Simon Barrett. I'm always interested <laughs> to see what they, they uh, they're going to do next. All right, um, what Adam Wingard and Simon Howell do next? Yeah. Uh, last, I'm sorry. One last complaint. One last final complaint. Uh, I don't get the the purpose of having him fuck one of uh the daughter's friends i just, i don't get the point of what that sequence was there, there is no purpose behind it it's just him uh ingratiating himself into like the small town life or <laughs> i guess i guess i can kind of see that it's it's just sort of a thing he does there's no real purpose for him you know the whole point of him going to the party was to, to try to get the gun everything else that happens there is just sort of incident well there's two purposes there's him trying to get the gun and him finding out more about zeke on the ride home Everything else that happens at that party is more sort of incidental. Okay, I can kind of buy that. I just, I, in terms of his cyborgness, I didn't really see how it fit in, so I was just curious. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, yeah, it, anyway. it would have made more sense if he had an emotional relationship with Lance Reddick's major Carver character. That would have been awesome. <laughs> All right, and with that, uh, any final thoughts before we move on to our second? Uh, and surely very fun review. Um, well, Simon, I, I could ask you one question. In, sure. in terms of the cinematography, did you feel like it was bland even during the Funhouse Mirror, the brief Funhouse Mirror sequence between Reddick and, and Stevens? I thought the production design on that sequence was neat, although uh, it seemed a little elaborate for a high school uh, or even or like or whatever it's supposed to be, high school, like Halloween maze. That, that looked like it would have taken a year to build. Yeah, I know, right? Like that thing was elaborate and and graphic. Like I feel like if if a real high school had made that, they would get in so much shit from the state because well, that well, thing was bloody. You know, you know what's funny is at at uh, the school I work at, we had to build a, a maze for our Halloween party, and we went all out. Like I got like those big inflatable um, sort of like Halloween decorations. It's like this big giant cat and this witch, and they're like fifty feet tall type thing. Right. Um, but we did everything we could, uh, but we weren't able to do something with mist and smoke and mirrors because of the danger. Like, what if a kid would break the mirror or, you know, you can't, you can't have that much smoke for so if your kid has asthma. And, but anyways, we're not really talking about the movie right now. But yeah, it felt a little uh, too much. Yeah. But it, and actually, if it wasn't for that uh, for that particular set piece, I don't think anyone would be talking about this as a horror film. It's that it's that last twenty minutes that's just just because of the setting that I think you know it leaves you with that with that feeling. Oh, this is kind of a horror film. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, the movie's called The Guest. Uh, anything else we want to mention before we wrap things up? Well, I think people should watch the movie. I think you're going to enjoy the movie if if you like genre films. If you like your next, definitely check it out and uh, yeah, let us know what you think. I I never think people shouldn't watch movies. I think people should always watch movies, even when especially when I don't like them because I'm usually wrong. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. and and you know this sort of watching this movie has me interested to see. Uh, I mean, considering Stevens came out of Downton Abbey, which he wasn't like a traditional action hero kind of role, I'm interested to see what Wingard and Barrett do with like action heroes from television. Like, I'd love to see them take Stephen Amell as a lead in their next movie, or Anthony Starr from Banshee, and just I'm I'm, I'm interested to see what they do with an actual action hero in, in a in a movie of this nature mm-hmm. uh, next time around. Uh, all right. Well, thank you all so much, and we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back. Excuse me, ma'am. Have you ran up Peterson? Uh, no. No, she's... She's working at the diner. I'm her, her mother. What she... Did she do something? No, no, it's fine, ma'am. But your daughter, she put in a call to Fort Kenilworth a couple of days ago asking about a man named David Collins. Yes, oh, that's right, she did. You wouldn't happen to have seen anyone resembling this man, would you? This is, um... David. Ma'am, when was the last time you saw him? Well, he, he just went inside. Haunted by your 